whose turn is it? I don't know. I think it's, it's been a turn. while. All right. It's your turn. We need a theme music. What's that? We need theme music. The can opening isn't enough for you? It doesn't make sense. Why doesn't it make sense? Because we're draft politics. I mean, I could go record a pouring of it. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Remember, a can is just a private keg, sir. An That's executive right. keg. Right. right, executive keg. Executive keg. Yes, but executive keg politics would get even less less hits. So. Uh, uh, somehow. <laughs> somehow right. negative hits. I okay. Will, I will start us up here. Cold open. Here you go. Cold open, just like our beers. Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve. And with me here, recently, but not often of late. <laughs> it's EJ. Hello. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be back. We've had a yes. bit of a time off, mostly driven by my own inability to avoid COVID for <laughs> two years and seven months. It was two years and six months we made it through. You made a, made a good effort. Uh, but it finally broke through. Finally broke through into our house. Uh, you know what? And it turns out it's a thing, that COVID. I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. It's I believe thing, there have COVID. been some news stories about it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it uh, zero stars. Do not recommend. Okay. Okay. Thumbs down. Got it. Yeah. But we're back. We are back. It's here. It's October it's been- 1st. It's been over a month. Well over a month since yeah. we last did a podcast. If you're keeping track at home, thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad you noticed our yeah. absence. Uh, Rate so, us on iTunes, etc. Exactly. It's it's October first. We're here in Chicago. We're 40 days from the election. It is absolutely gorgeous. We're outside here at District Brew Yards, a place where you can get beers from five different breweries. Yeah. Uh, and and we haven't been here in a while. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it was definitely before the pandemic was the last time we were here. Um, and we've been here a couple times. It's a little bit off the beaten path for us, but uh, we had to make a, pr- a little pilgrimage down here because Twisted Hippo has their beer on tap here yeah. while they get set up with a new location. So. Yeah. And which is what's really cool about this space is that, you know, it is one of the only places, certainly any place around here, where you can get beers that are brewed on premises um, from different breweries. And it's the use a card, pour at your own rate. So I don't have to get a pint. I don't have to get a half pint. I can pour the number of ounces I want. And, And a little secret is if you go around and try all those little 12%, 14% beers that they have on tap here, uh, you'll be drunk by the time you're done testing them. So right. you know, it's you it's a good place to go. They got it. They got a great outside area, and in theory, it's like 65 degrees, but it feels like it's 75. Yeah, it is. My 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 technology claims it is 66 degrees, but it feels nicer than that. Yeah, it, it's gorgeous Chicago, out here. Chicago fall is is a lovely thing until it turns into Chicago winter and it all exactly. goes to shit. I believe the kids would say. That today is a day that proves why Chicago Fall slaps. Maybe they yes. don't say that anymore. They might say that. Yeah, I don't know. And the Klingons might say, today is a good day to drink beer. It is. They might. They might. They might. 
So we're 40 days from the midterms since we last talked. It's an interesting thing because when we have these big jumps in time, it often feels like, oh, my God, the news has changed so much. Uh, and there are some things that have happened, without a doubt, some big yeah. things, um, certainly it, with the situation in Ukraine. Um, also, Hurricane Ian um, has evidently barreled, which is the I, I feel like all the media organizations get together and choose a verb for certain events. And in this and, case, and inevitably, it is a weather term that's existed since the 1850s that nobody's heard of. And then suddenly they decided we're all going to talk about this now, like yeah. derechos. Ah, uh, the derechos. Du du but derechos don't barrel. Maybe they, they not careen. barrel. They more yeah. just go run yeah. over you. But the uh, Hurricane Ian, terrible destruction there in Florida. Um, not a real political ang angle to that, other than suddenly all the p politicians in Florida are pro-socialism. <laughs> There's that. Also, I'm very curious uh, what your take is on DeSantis openly appreciating Biden's efforts to help Florida. Um, it's an election year. <laughs> That's my take on it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's not even in the rundown, but like, you know, and even Biden was like, you know, uh, like right wing news media was like, and Biden wouldn't even take a call from DeSantis. And I was like, first of all, I, I if I'm anybody that works for or around DeSantis, I don't let him talk to anybody. So I'd be surprised if there were a call. Yeah. But, you know, Biden is so old school. Like, I don't think he cares about party at all in these kinds of situations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going to, whatever, we got to fix it, right? And he said that. We're going to build back. I, I actually thought in some of his remarks, he was like, we're going to build back better in Florida. I thought he was going to say it. I was I was on the edge of my seat-ish. You know there was some speech guy working for him. He's just like, come on, just use it. Just do it, it. Do it. One more time. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know. Lots of destruction down there. I've got family um, outside of Tampa, and they missed it, which was lucky. But, you know, you see yeah. sort of everything that happened in the Fort Myers area. My in-laws were in Fort Myers originally, but they have since moved back up this way. So I'm like, oh, that was, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I remember during the pandemic, my sister was like, you know, these kind of barrier islands outside of you know, in that St. Pete area, like all that, like Marco Island, it like this would be a great place to buy a house, like as an investment. <laughs> be a great place to buy a bunker. <laughs> yeah, uh, dodging a bullet on that one. But uh, I had a, a, a kind of a funny story with a colleague of mine who lives on the East Coast. So, uh, grew up in Charleston or the Charleston area. Yeah. Some spent some time there. Uh, his wife grew up in northern Florida on the coast, so they have a place there, and they spend a lot of time in Miami. And as the hurricane was coming in, they slowly moved from Miami to northern Florida to Charleston. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to be clear here, man. You moved away from the hurricane, and it followed you. Yes. <laughs> so. So maybe just just. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah. I asked him to, to, I was like, I, look, I'll pay for your gas. Could you go back to Florida and see if it follows you again? Right. Is it you, sir? 
So, yes, we're already a few minutes in our podcast, and we still really haven't actually gotten into our agenda at all. Which yeah, is, which is great. Um, so, that's how we do, people. And, you know, and the, the point here is that a lot of the things that we talked about a month ago are still very relevant and still evolving. Um, and it's like, you know, so we think about activities around the midterms, right? So... What's happening? Who are the candidates? What are they doing? How crazy are they acting? Yep. Um, we're talking about um, the various and sundry uh, investigations around uh, the former guy. I don't know how to refer to him. Um, to, in my mind, like it, I, I, I kind of picture DJT walking around, and lawsuits and investigations are like the dirt around pig pen. Right. You know, they're right, just right. out there kind of <laughs> surrounding him. But he keeps going. He just keeps going. Just keeps going. Um, you know, Congress has been on break for a lot of that time, but they've done something actually pretty significant. So, you know, it's a lot of similar topics that have moved. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'd kind of like to start with, you know, the pig pen cloud. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because um, pretty significant changes in New York. Yep. Where Letitia James who's the uh, the attorney general in New York has you know brought formal civil charges against the Trump organization Donald Trump right. and his adult children. Yeah. And and the thing is like while that is a civil case um, it can have very significant impacts on them because it can um, you know, obviously cost them a lot of money, can also force them out of the business of real estate in New York. Um, and the burden of proof, because it's a civil case, is, you know, the preponderance of, of evidence. It doesn't have to be proven beyond doubt. It's going to be a little bit easier to prove that case. And, yeah. and, and it seems like they've got a pretty good case, but, you know, we'll find out. Well, it, what's, what's really interesting, and, you know, I am, I am not a lawyer. I do not play one on TV. I barely play one on a podcast, but I also am very interested in it, and I'm constantly, when something comes up, I try not to just listen to the pundits or the punditry um, around the legal side of it. I try to dig into the laws. And so, like, New York has this law that sounds very benign, but... It's essentially this constant fraud action that the attorney general can bring against someone or an organization that says, hey, man, it may be a bunch of little frauds, but you're doing it all the time, and we're going to take some pretty drastic action. So this is the the sort of law that she's working under here. Okay. It says, like, it's consistent and intentional fraud and we can do all sorts of things we can get money back uh, a term i heard recently was disengorgement <laughs> which i love right like because in my mind that sounds makes, a little that dirty just makes what, me feel what's like, going on here <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm picturing jabba the hut yeah right? you're just ah, grabbing the frogs out of the bowl you're taking whatever you want but it's the opposite of that because it's it is the opposite of that right it is so, the you know the bowl things are going back into the bowl the frogs are going on their merry way 
Um, so that's that's really interesting and, and super broad powers around that. And you know the the com the length of the complaint uh, was stunning. Yeah. And again, I was uh, bored one day and started skimming through it. And I think my favorite point out of there was in all of the here is how we're proving that it was consistent and intentional fraud. He inflated the value of the golf clubs at the golf clubs that they had for rent. Yeah. So, like, they'd go to play it against sports, right? They're going to buy some shitty golf clubs, and then they're going to rent them. And they're going to say, well, look, we're renting these out for $500 a round, and they're worth $1,000 when they were worth $0.12. Cents. Right, so like, it's not just you know systematic inflation of the value of you know the real estate property that you think about there, but it's actually just every single thing. Yeah, these are special pencils that you're using to fill out your card. They're worth seventy dollars a piece. Well, it just gives him this like he just wants to he wants to scam and steal every last little bit that he can. Yeah, it's just like. He just gets ex I think he just it makes him feel like he's somehow better in superior yeah, I, think, so too. I think and uh, I think yeah. that's a great way to think about it. I can't wait till um, uh, uh, and eventually the, hopefully he pays the price for all of this. I, me too. Um, even if it's just disengorgement and he can no longer do business or his adult children can no longer do business in New York. Right. Um, the other interesting thing that I'll say about this is that they have referred people to the district attorney yeah so there may be follow-up criminal investigations um which you may or may not remember were kind of dropped by uh the district attorney in the southern district of new york alvin bragg or whatever his name is yeah. alvin and chipmunks um that people were upset about and some prosecutors resigned over but there's been another referral so interesting then we had the Mar-a-Lago raid. Yes. And I don't know, where are we at with that? I feel like I'm doing a lot of time. Uh, where are we at with that? So we've had a bunch of stuff going around. You know, there was a whole notion of needing to have a special master. And so I'm trying to remember, like, where we left off with this. Because we recorded this uh, last one on the 21st. The raid was on the 8th. We were starting, I think, into, the, like, the special master stuff where... Uh, he had asked you know, for it. He had asked for it. No and basically rule. the notion is a special master was supposed to be involved in looking over what the FBI took and making sure what was supposed to be taken yeah. and what wasn't. And then this turned into the special master going back to the... Well, so first of all, the uh, the judge, uh, Cannon, uh, was like, we're going to have to have a special master, even though there wasn't really evidence to suggest that that would even make sense. But, you know, all right, fine. The special master gets in there and is like, okay, cool. Uh, Trump, Trump, you need to uh, show your evidence that the FBI did things that they were not supposed to do. We actually want you to, like, yeah. prove this. And puts them in somewhat of an awkward legal position because they were lying the whole time. And courts don't usually like that. Um, but nonetheless, this uh, canon who was uh, appointed by Trump. In the lame duck session. In the lame Congress. duck session. Uh, seems to be doing him some solids here. Yeah. And... I think the latest was basically saying that Trump had until like mid-December to get like to review the materials and like 
it's 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 really been strange, right? Because you know, so Judge Cannon. So the, first of all, the first interesting thing is that Judge Cannon has nothing to do with the court that issued the the search warrant, which is weird. Right. Right. So essentially, Trump went to Cannon and said, "I need you to to check the work of the other court." Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll check it. You can. Yeah, okay. Well, how about a special master? That sounds good." And there's supposed to be some ways <coughs> that you evaluate as a judge whether or not that's a reasonable thing to do. Um, and after she passed her ruling, the Justice Department said, hey, 11th Circuit, could you look at this? Because this kind of seems like bullshit. But not the whole thing. Just look at the, the sliver around right. the classified documents. Because we need to keep looking at those just from the standpoint of assessing the risk of them being out at a golf yes, club. Yes, there's a national security yeah. p- possible and threat The 11th here. Circuit was like, okay, yeah, let me look at this. And it's important to note the 11th Circuit's a pretty conservative circuit. Yeah. Um, based in Atlanta, I think. Lots of Trump-appointed judges there. Uh, and a three-panel, a three-judge panel said, like, you've asked us to evaluate this, you know, this sliver and we're going to we're going to tell you we're going to stay that part of her ruling like absolutely keep looking at those classified documents and if you were curious here are all the 100 reasons why everything else about her ruling were wrong right hey so if you want to appeal that too bring it yeah and which is strange in its own right and then immediately judge cannon was like ah, i'll rewrite my original order to kind of make it compliant with the things they pushed back on yeah it's it's been very strange. So now the the Department of Justice has appealed the whole thing. Yeah. And said, so, uh, could you just confirm that we don't need the special master at all because it doesn't meet these standards that she was supposed to apply? Because in their other ruling, they said it doesn't meet the standards she was supposed to apply. Right. Um, and the thing that gets me about this whole thing is that. And, and I, I was saying to you before we started recording, I, I had a friend in town who was like, why can't they just get over Trump and just leave him alone? And I'm like, why do they keep doing these things? I'm like, this is all self-inflicted. I, you know, like, hey, you took some things. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Can you give them back? No, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Here they are, but they're not there. I, you know, keeps on lying about things keeps on making decisions that force the hand of people who are just kind of obeying the rules who may care or not care about who he is. Yeah. And then essentially publicizing the fact that they're just trying to follow the, you know, other people are trying to follow a law. Yeah. Like there's no victimhood here. Right. Right. And that is the thing that I, I I don't understand why it's obvious to one group of people and not obvious to another group of people. Well, you get, you know, a lot of it just comes down to where you're getting your your news and information from, right? And it's like one side is being presented, well, either things are just simply ignored 
or they're presenting the best light possible. And the other side, you know, we're getting all the, the details about everything that's being done wrong. And so we come to different conclusions, you know, and that's before we get into our own, you know, biases and, and you know, sure. confirmation bias and all that good stuff. So, and I wish I had biases. Right. I mean, I'm completely neutral. You're completely neutral. Nice. You're it's, an objective observer. I am. I, you it's, are it's so taking nice a purely scientific approach to analyzing all of this. Speaking of scientific approaches, um, I need to collect more data on beer. That's an excellent. Uh, that's an excellent strategy. So I think I'm going to do that now. Okay, do that. So, uh, research break complete. Um, the other, you know, the other thing going on right now is the one six commission is not done. Yes. Uh, they were supposed to have another hearing this last week, but they postponed it. Because apparently uh, there was this hurricane thing yeah. happening, and uh, one of the people who was participating in the commission is from the hurricane place. So the hurricane place sounds like New Orleans, honestly, because that's where I go for my yeah. hurricanes. But that's not what I mean. There you go. But they also have hurricanes there. I mean, but we not could just rename Florida to Anyhow, the hurricane hi. place. <laughs> hurricane, hurricane and meth. That's yeah. Florida. <laughs> wow. Sorry, bath salts, bath salts, not bad, meth. Wow. <laughs> uh, shout, shout out to our Florida listeners. Yeah. Sorry to L- see you go. <laughs> Luckily, your internet's not working this week, this week, so you won't get wow. it. Wow. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, <laughs> we'll just keep digging here, everybody. Yeah, in our yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, the reporting around this last hearing has been really interesting. Especially as it seems like it's focusing on Roger Stone and like video of Roger Stone saying like, oh, the best thing we can do is get right to violence. And like, you know, I'm going to be the first person pardoned twice because he was I I, I don't know. It's going to be super interesting. It's not going to be prime time, I don't think. And let us remember, he has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on himself. So I don't know. <laughs> Anybody who has a tattoo of Richard Nixon, you know, I just kind of have to immediately draw a lot of questions about. Not that he hasn't, you know, given me lots of reasons to draw, ask a lot of questions about him. Other than that, yeah. But uh, the other interesting thing is that Ginny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Long Dong Silver Thomas, yes, uh, testified uh, in you know in front of or was interviewed by the January Sixth Committee. Um, and what came out of that, the reporting out of that was her steadfast belief that it everything was stolen. And yeah. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know where you go with that. Well, where do you go from there? I'm been, crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's been uh, the hard thing to watch over the last decade plus of, you know, people going down their rabbit hole of getting their information from you know, limited set of sources and, you know, whatever their biases confirm. I mean, I was saying this at the top of the podcast, but, you know, it's it's very hard to have any sort of reasonable functioning democracy when close to half of the people believe things that are just not true. Yeah. Actually, that's not fair. Probably a quarter of the people believe things that just aren't true. And then there's another quarter of people who are just like, well, I'm going to vote for those people because I don't like the other people. Yeah. Well, and what was interesting in my conversation with my my college friend was 
you know, I had asked him a question. I was trying to stay away from politics, if I'm honest. Um, and I had asked him a question about how he felt about Democrats putting money into Republican primaries with the intent of running against, wanting to run against a specific candidate. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We talked about this last time, too, sort of thumb on the scale kind of thing. Um, and he thought I was talking about 2024 and went into this huge thing about how the Democrats don't have any candidates and, like, Joe Biden can't put two sentences together. And, like, what are the, and I was like, well, he did beat Donald Trump. And he was like, well. And like, I'm like, what do you mean, well? <laughs> right? Like, what do you mean, well? It's like, well, there are some unanswered questions. All right. What are those questions? What are those let's, questions? Let's talk about that. Are, are they going to be answered by the cell phone of uh, Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, <laughs> in an Arby's, uh, sorry, a Hardee's drive-thru? Right. So, you I, know, there's a lot of, a lot of right-wing cell phones that are going to cause a lot of issues, I think, for, for some uh, I, I think some it's elections. true. I think it's true. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Congress actually this week did something... That can, and I think this is part of the job of Congress, Congress, neutralize the crazy by passing. So the the House passed a version of the Electoral Reform Act. Yes. Uh, In the Senate, it's gotten out of the Rules Committee and will be presented to the full Senate. It is endorsed by Mitch the Turtle McConnell. And it's like, you know that meme of Ben Affleck where he's, like, standing outside and he's smoking a cigarette and he just looks really defeated? Yeah. Like, that's me every time I'm like, oh, good job, Mitch McConnell. So what? Uh, I, what what's his angle here? Because he's got to have an angle. Um, I don't know. And I, I... Like, I feel like maybe... Maybe what's going on here is he's like, well, if we pass this, then we can sort of, you know, neutralize some of the scarier attacks on, you know, the likes of, uh, forget the name of the guy who's running for governor in Pennsylvania, Mastriano, Mastriano, various secretaries of state who are all like, you know, very clearly willing to overthrow an election. And this will say, oh, well, we're going to neutralize them. So you can totally vote for the, all their other crazy shit because you don't have to worry about that now. I, I do think that that is. I do think that there is a definite divide between uh, the moderately extreme parts of the Republican Party. Yeah. And the batshit crazy parts of the Republican Party. Yeah. And the chaotic evil versus the the uh, lawful yeah. evil, right? <laughs> um, so I think that Mitch McConnell is this is probably as much as anything that part of him that's been in the Senate a long time, saying like, "Well, you know what? Some status quo things are still good." Yeah. And also, I'm kind of against anything that Trump is for. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that that's a thing. Yeah, right? I mean, I th- yeah, he would like, I, I think, you know, when he looks at what's going on, it's like if, if, if they had a somewhat orderly process and they weren't constantly having to deal with the, the 
Trump extremist parts of the party, they'd actually probably be in a lot better shape electorally right I, now. Well, and that's just the thing. Take advantage of the advantage that you have that nobody knows about. Right. Rather than calling attention to extreme things. Because, yeah. because uh, look, from McConnell's standpoint, if you look at just the way that the status quo is, there is an advantage for Republicans. Yeah. Right? So, you know, when we look at, and I, I love this generic congressional ballot, right, where it's like, well, if the election were today, would you vote for a Republican or a Democrat? Not not thinking about who's actually running. And people are like, oh, man, the Democrats are up by a point or two points in the gen- generic de- the generic ballot. It takes an eight-point lead in the generic ballot for the Democrats to have a good chance yeah. to, to win the House, right? Yeah. And... You know, depending on the states in play in the year, somewhere between two and four points for the Senate. So, like, you don't need to change anything if you're Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think his angle is. It's yeah. just, it's easier, it's better. And I think, you know, to your point, it's best that people not talk about it. Yeah. Because it's not a winning issue. Right. Like there's no there are no independent voters out there who are like, you know what? I think we need less voters or fewer voters. Yeah. Um, and that kind of I don't know. You want to talk about beer or do you want to talk about we talk about terms? beer? Uh, yeah. So we did uh, refill our beers. Uh, you yeah. got what did you get? So. Uh, so here we are at District Brewery Yards. Uh, Twisted Hippo, my local, most local brewery to me, uh, burned down earlier in the year. Um, you may remember that episode because I was in tears the entire time. Yes. Um, uh, the folks that, that owned that uh, have been undaunted and have been looking for a place to restart. Um, and in the interim, they... Got in here at District Brewery Yard. Yeah. So uh, I was here for their actual kickoff when they first started to pour beers. We came back here. I got some of their, their beers today. I got a, uh, a Supa MC. So they've got a whole hip-hop series of IPAs uh, that I love. Uh, so I started with that. Got a small glass of that. Um, and it's, I will tell you, it's been a month since I've had a beer or any any drink at all. Um, it was a great way to start. Um, uh, hoppy, hazy, citrus forward, just beautifully brewed and well-balanced beer. Um, tasted great out here in the whatever temperature it is out here. Um, and the nice thing was I only had to get a sample a little bit because I could control my own pour. Yes. And then I moved on from there to uh, the Citra Vindicator 3, which is part of their sort of Rick and Morty series. Um, nice. Which I've got to admit was similar. They were both excellent. Yeah. And I've been so happy to see uh, the Twisted Hippo folks here. Yeah. Carl and Merrily are their names. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got beers here. The model seems good for them. Um, and they were great. What have you had? 
Uh, so I started off with the with the uh, hippos uh, fest beer, but now I am on to uh, Burnt City's Earthly Delights Cherry Fig Strong Dark Ale. Wow, which is like got a little bit of a a little bit of a saison funk kind of thing, okay. but then like cherry. It's 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 quite good. Um, and that's one thing that's nice about this location is. There are four different breweries here, and so you can get what different are things. They? they are Casa Humilde. Yeah. There is Twisted Hippo, Burnt City, and Around the Bend. Around the Bend. Our, our bringer of the pistachio cream ale, the unifying beer of this podcast. Yes, it is. It is, and it's also the Plague Mask beer, which yes. I think about all of the time. <laughs> all of the time. It is a topical Topical logo there, graphic, yeah. whatever. So yeah, so that's that's our beer. Um, are we on to the election circus? I think we are. Okay. I think we are. So, how, how's your uh, how's your poll anxiety? You know, honestly, I think I've just reached a point where I just don't believe polls anymore, and so I just don't care that much. Like I figure, like as I get closer to the actual election, I'll pay more attention. But like right now, I'm like. Whatever, like but the needle, but the, the needle the, on the, New York Times, nothing, yeah. no, nothing. Uh, Five thirty-eight polling uh, averages, yeah. no, no. They're all lies. They're all, I, and that is an interesting thing. I I asked this question, ex, you know, specifically because, you know, we're we're in a place where trust in things with a capital T is eroding and waning or shifting, however you want to think about it. Um, and I love numbers, and I love polling and oh, yeah. surveys, um, you know, because that's what I do in my free time is surveys. Right. Actually, no, that's what I get paid to do is surveys. Right. <laughs> that's why you don't have free time. That's why I don't <laughs> have free time, because um. I'm always surveying, folks. <laughs> but, you know... I actually think it's a very healthy reaction to say, I'm going to ignore those polls. I'm going to ignore, you know, what somebody is feeding to me is the zeitgeist of those around me. Yeah. Um, Because I think it's very tied to, you know, the vulnerability of our electorate to influence from outside actors. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think, like, one of the things that I've struggled with over the last few years when it comes to politics is, like, there's only so much you can do, right? Like, you know, you can, you know, if you have a, if there's a campaign going on and you're, you've got your ads going and you've, you know, and you've targeted them well and you knock on doors and you do all that right and you got all the volunteers and all the money in the world, that's a couple percent. Like, everything else is about, what was the state of that district before you showed up and, and started to run a race? Yeah. What is your, how are you known versus how is that candidate known? Are they an incumbent? You know, you'd want to run against an incumbent unless they have, you know, murdered people on TV. Good and even then, depends on who they murdered. Yeah. Depends on which channels. <laughs> right. Probably not going to win against them. Doesn't matter how good of a candidate you are. Doesn't matter how good your message is, whatever else. And so a lot of my thinking, and I think part of the reason why I don't really pay that much attention to the polls is, like, 
a lot of my thinking is more about, well, how do we do long-term investment in setting the groundwork so when that candidate does show up, that, that the ground is fertile for them in their yeah. campaign? Yeah. Because if you, just tr if you show up and knock on somebody's door, you know, two weeks before the election, they know why you're there. They know you don't actually care about them and their issues. You just want to get them to vote. Yeah, and, and actually that's one of the things that I've heard as a weakness for Democrats specifically in with some communities is like Republicans have been out there sort of grassrootsing things uh, for much, much longer. Yeah. In in some communities and Democrats have just gotten around to it. Right. And that feels cynical to folks. So that that sort of feeling like, you know, people are just showing up for the election, but don't care the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, is real. And it's something that, you know, folks need to, especially in the Democratic Party, need to focus on. Well, um, especially in, in an era where, you know, there's such a polarization and there's and and the labels make a huge difference about what your chances are in any given area like you could nominally as a democrat in a fairly conservative area you can win if you have a connection to that community and people see you as yeah. something beyond the label yeah and you've got that you've built up that groundwork if you haven't done that you know i mean you and you look at like a race like what's going on in georgia right now where it's like warnock seems to be doing fine Stacey Abrams, not so much. And the reason why is just the marginal difference of um, Trump has gone after the, I'm forgetting his name right now, the governor, the guy who is currently the governor of Georgia. Uh, that guy. That guy. That guy. Who beat Abrams in the last beat election. Abrams last time. Who he was the secretary of state before have, then. Seemed to have actually, like, legitimately stolen an election that time. Um, but anyhow... Um, but he's doing better because he's seen as more, or excuse me, seen as less extreme because Brian of that, Kemp. and that's helping him. Brian Kemp, yeah. thank you. And, and and what's interesting is Brian Kemp is a guy who said, like, no, the election wasn't stolen, which is probably, in my mind, actually the explanation for his overperformance yeah. compared to other candidates. Yeah. So, and, and uh, look... Again, I don't get paid for this, I don't think. Um, but there's some real interestingness in things like statewide races. Yeah. So a Senate race and a, gu a gubernatorial race should be statewide races. They should be similar, you know, similar electorates. You know, Warnock is outperforming uh, Stacey Abrams by something like eight points, nine points. Yeah. Um, why is that? Yeah. Is Kemp a better candidate? And it candidate? certainly isn't that, you know, Abrams doesn't have the money, she can't run the ad, she doesn't have volunteers. Like, she's done all the things you need to do. Yeah. But it's just the other factors that went into it before she even started this campaign that are, you know, making it hard for her to, to pull I, ahead. Well, yeah, and I think also who she's running against. Yeah. And that's, you know... What I don't understand about the uh, the Republican strategy in a lot of places is like they are intentionally running some very terrible candidates. Well, intentional, I think, is a little bit of a. I think intentional in some places, unintentional in others. Yeah. Right. So, um, like Georgia is a good example, right? Yeah. So when you compare Brian Kemp to Herschel Walker, right? Yeah. I mean. 
I, I, and I don't even understand how Herschel Walker is still in the race. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I, he's. Every time I hear him speak, I'm like, he's not okay. Right. Like, this is a man who has run into other people, other very large people, at high speed a yeah. lot of times. Uh, it's true. Um, but, but he also has just no problem lying about everything. Yeah. And I guess 47% of the electorate doesn't care that he's like, I finished in the top well, 1% of my class, and, even though he didn't graduate. And how many of that percent is simply that he's running as Republican? Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I think the cynical part of me says. Or how many of it is the people who just know the name Herschel Walker? Well, that's it. I think the Republicans chose to run an African-American candidate with name recognition. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was 100% who could fund some of it themselves. Yeah. That Trump would be okay with. Yeah. Because they need Trump's, you know. But it'll be interesting to blessing. see, like, what happens in places like Ohio with J.D. Vance, who is, like, Which you is know, very close right now. Yeah, it's very close. But, like, you know, that's somebody that Trump liked. That's somebody who had, you know, some backing from, uh, I forget the guy's name, the PayPal billionaire guy. Yeah. Go ahead. You got it. You got it, man. Son of a Palantir. Yeah, that guy. Uh, funded all the lawsuits <laughs> against, with Giz, names. Uh, against Gizmodo that, and that, that network. That, Come yeah, on, you got it. Peter Thiel. Thank you. Yes, that I mean, guy. Peter Tool. Peter Tool? No, that's somebody I mean, else. That is, um, a, uh, that anyhow. is a thing, right? He's also, he's also funding candidates in Arizona. So, like, to is. me... I'm. If I'm honest, I, I assume that JD Vance is going to win in Ohio. You know, interestingly enough, I was as I was leaving for the airport from Netroots Nation yeah. in Philadelphia or not Philadelphia in, in uh, why do Pittsburgh. I keep saying Philadelphia? Pittsburgh is where know. it was. Um, when I was going from the uh, sort of we were like at a at a restaurant having sort of a final meal and then went off to the airport on the way to the airport. We get in a conversation with the cab driver who is from Ohio, you know, because it's just the other side. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about, like, what he sees in the area around him and comes from a, you know, a more rural part of Ohio where you would expect the Republicans doing really well. No signs that there's any strong support for J.D. Vance, like no lawn signs, things like that. Now, granted, maybe that's changed since then, but um, it was interesting. It's just like, OK, well, maybe this is not. Maybe he doesn't have kind of the traction it, that it feels like maybe he should have or it would hopefully be wild. Have, but it would be wild if Ohio had a Republican governor to wine and had, two Democratic senators. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. I mean, Especially I, I'm, like, I'm all for it. Sure I've given Brown Tim is Ryan one of my favorites. I, mine, too. Well, you honestly. know what? Actually, what I love about the vibe of that is that both of those senators are deeply into union power. And, and I think that, like, one of the things I think has been shifting in our country generally and has been a factor in our politics over time is the power of unions, right? I, I think so, too. I think there are there's an opportunity in certain states to, to kind of play the populist union card, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that could be 
I mean, you know, and I think it's we need to be realistic about the fact that, like, you know, a, a few Starbucks unionizing against the tide of what has happened to unions over the last, you know, 40 years. Yeah. Uh, wow, I'm old. Uh, like, <laughs> the last 40 years. My day, I remember when unions Back came. Our day, we used to have unions. Again, I grew we, up in Detroit. Air so. traffic controllers used to be able to go on strike. Um, wow. <laughs> Hashtag Reaganomics. I... I, it, what's what's interesting to me? So that, so look, I, I like to try to say that I pay attention to all of the, you know, all of the states, and I care about them equally, and I'm really into it. I pay attention mostly to Illinois, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Yeah, why of those three states? I well, two of them make sense to me. The one yeah. I don't even know, but my, uh, you know, my my parents grew up in Pennsylvania. I've always felt a kinship there, family there. Okay. I've gone back there Got it. a lot. Um, I grew up in Michigan, live here now. I, I look at the candidates in Michigan, and they are just insane. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you you take somebody like and, – and this goes back to what I was saying about why choose Herschel Walker as a candidate in Georgia. In Michigan, to run against Gretchen Whitmer – who has been above water approval-wise her entire tenure. The worst parts of COVID when people were protesting, she was still above water. Yeah. You know, they they chose somebody who looks like a conservative, in air quotes, podcaster, who looks like Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. But is insane to run against her. Yeah. Right. And somebody who like there was a great, you know, uh, interview sort of kind of quasi press briefing where she's talking about the need to get rid of pornography in school libraries. Yeah. And (laughs) one of the reporters. I don't know what school library they're talking about because I would have found it. Could you define (laughs) pornography for me? Right. And she's like, do you really need me to define it? Do you want me to send you some? Will she know when she sees it? When, yeah, a man and a woman are having sexual relations in a book. Like, it was a very weird answer. And like, oh, so two men could have, that'd be okay? Like, it was... It was terrible. Yeah, but they, they like this, and you're like, and she's down by 15 points. Or yeah, whatever, right. But the but the danger we find ourselves in is that in a in a you know if if Whitmer was in a weaker position, like maybe she had some scandal or whatever, even though she's largely being effective, like that she could lose to that form yes. of lunacy. Well, and that's the Arizona side. Yeah. Right? So like Carrie Lake, who is the gubernatorial candidate in Arizona, is also insane. She was a, you know, she was a news anchor. Yeah. And she's like, the election was stolen. Uh, 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 Life starts a week before people meet. Uh, Women shouldn't vote. I mean, like, and by the way, Arizona just had the most crazy abortion law in the country put in place that was passed in the in the 1800s yeah that also said women shouldn't vote or own property right but the judge was like we're just gonna carve out the abortion section right because you know um, it's fine it's fine 
I, and this is what I, I think that's what's really scary to me. Like, I look at Pennsylvania, I am terrified that I have dread that Mastriano would win because he is somebody who said he would appoint a secretary of state, and that's important to know in Pennsylvania, secretary of state is appointed. He would appoint somebody who is focused on overturning the election law. Yeah. Um, but I think that's probably safe. But other places, Arizona, uh, Georgia, like, there's some yeah. really crazy people who could win. Yeah. You know, and it's like if if a if you if that kind of lunacy is one Republican vote in the House, like, ah, oh, we kind of dilute it. It's fine if there are a vote in the Senate. Be, yeah, it's like it's a little more difficult if it's Marjorie a Taylor governor. Green. Okay, if it's a governor, like that can actually be a or a Secretary of State yeah. that can actually affect whether the election happens in a legitimate way. Yeah, yeah, and so. And I think this is one, you know, like we ha- we have to accept the reality that we have a two party system. But it's like the danger that we face because of that is that sometimes the throw the bums out means, OK, well, we're going to elect this person who is a complete lunatic. Yeah. We, we've thrown out the bums, but we've brought in the the clowns, the axe murderer. Yes, yeah. the axe murderer. I would take the clowns. The clowns. Clowns are perfectly harmless. They're yeah, because they're, they're not effective. They're delightful. You shouldn't be afraid afraid of the clowns. I'm not I'm, afraid of the clowns. I am afraid of the clowns. The clowns are going to eat me. I, I do just want to say, yes. Fetterman's <laughs> Fetterman's social media team. Oh yeah. I, I look. I would like to think that even if I were a Republican, I would be laughing my ass off. Yeah. At their social media, like. It's just like chef's kiss. Yeah. Every day, yeah. every week. Um, I also think that all of the TikTok videos that I've seen as tweets, because everything's meta now, right. about how Democratic candidates stalk you for donations are also true and funny. True and... Stop to quit. Stop <laughs> to quit. <laughs> I've actually started... I have a uh, an app on my phone that can filter out SMS messages based on you can either do like regular expressions, but you can just do like text matching or whatever. So any Maybe text, you can do regex, you're like so any text that has stop to end, stop to quit in various forms, it now goes to junk and I don't see it. Because uh, for those of you listening right now, there's a bit of a nerd out moment. Yes, where yes. I'm thinking about the reg. Regular expression. Yeah, so a regular expression. No, I'm not going to get into <laughs> this. something we're not going to get into right now, but pretty nerdy. Imagine line noise. Okay, I'd have to explain line noise. Never mind. We're just going to And, of course, I'm, I'm over here you thinking Pearl? about that. Pearl was cool. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> so I grepped my text messages. Okay. Uh, I I think. See, here's the problem with coming to this, this brewery is because I, I get sort of half pours of beers. I run out of beer frequently that's true so i need more beer now so i'm gonna take another beer break yes let's do it all right okay everybody we're back again we're overseas now we we're overseas yeah well we've got our beers oh yes yes. i've got to tell you uh so because we're at the end of september which means the end of Oktoberfest at the beginning of October. 
they have these Oktoberfest steins here at District Brewyard. It is completely insane. It is completely I, insane. I poured now. So the way it works here is you like put your little card on the machine, and then you can it'll measure out how much beer, and you can watch the beer tick off. I have a glass that has 24 ounces of beer in it, and it is maybe just over half full right now. Yeah, I'd call because, it 55 percent. And I'm like, I kept watching the number climb. I'm like, I, I, I can't do a full one of these. No, I you want can't. to. No, I you want shouldn't. to. But you know, it's a little. It's getting a little late. I, mean, I don't want to. It's a very large beer. It is a very, a large, very beer. large beer. It is a beer, uh, an unusually large beer. Yeah, a beer, a beer of unusual, beer of unusual size. size. That's where there I was going go. with it in my head. As you wish, sir. Yes. As you wish. Internationally, I think we need to cover through those. Right. Elections in Europe in the last month or so, both Sweden and Italy have moved pretty aggressively right. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and the folks that have been elected, the parties that have been kind of gotten big gains or majorities even, are parties that have direct lines to, in Sweden, the Nazi party. Like, like and, and I'm not, uh, this is going to sound like hyperbole, right? It is not. No, actual Nazis. Actual Nazis, yes. people who collaborated with the Nazis before, said their party was a Nazi party in the 80s and, you know, got some marketing found support. better marketing, right. Similarly, in Italy, um, uh, the party that's the Brotherhood of Italy. Um, that already sounds questionable. Yeah, I mean, anytime it's Brotherhood, right? <laughs> like. Yeah, it's, it's, like, there's oh, no. Oh, is this from The Handmaid's Tale? Like, what yeah. is this? There's no like <laughs> liberal group called the Brotherhood, right? right? Like, right. It's the Sisterhood, I, it, sure. Yeah, maybe Brotherhood. No. Forty percent of video games have an evil organization yes. called the yes. Brotherhood. Um, they actually, you can trace them right back twenty years ago, thirty years ago to fascists. I yeah. mean, they said they were fascists. Yes. Okay. Um, a little scary there, right? A little scary. Yes. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, people will say, well, just give them some time. And it's it seems surprising from the Swedes. <laughs> Didn't they say right? that about the Taliban? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll give them time. It'll be fine. No. It, it, it felt very surprising from the Swedes. But here we are. Well, uh, you know, and <clears throat> I mean, obviously that background does not bode well for this. But, you know, I mean, Sweden overall is a... Well, I was going to say, it is overall a liberal place, but it's a, it is a, I don't think that's quite the right phrase. Because, like, like they have a, like, a very, like, liberal, socialized medical system, but they're also not much on immigration. Like, yeah. and so. It's a very interesting. Yeah, mix, right? it's a little, a little more complicated, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's. You know, it's tempting as somebody on the outside drawing conclusions about a place as somebody who lives in the United States and has talked about our politics with people who do not live in the United States, they have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> Quite frequently. Mm -hmm. Except the people in Norway. They know everything that's going on. They do. You know why? Because they follow this podcast. Yeah, they do. That's right. That's that's why they're informed. That is why they're informed. Um, and obviously the, the big international... Well, I, before we get to Ukraine, Iran has some protest movement brewing right and growing and we're into week yeah. two um and it seems like this happens p 
periodically. I periodically. Mean, like, there was like I remember several years ago when they're having like the overnight like protest things going on, and it's you know it's it's you know, but it's it's good to see. Uh, you know, I'm always in favor of any sort of like democracy movement, anything that's sort of pushing back against authoritarian rule, wherever that is. Uh, well, yeah, and and I think this is really interesting to me because it was spontaneous. Yeah. So a, a woman named Masa Amini was arrested by the morality police because they objected to how she was dressed. Yes. And she died in custody. And these were the resulting protests that have gone yeah. on for two weeks. And yeah. some number of people have died in those protests. Somewhere between 45 and 100. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, you know, these are the kind of protests I think we need to be supporting. Yeah. Right? Like, these are the kinds... This This is the kind of direct action that you know I think as people who care about equality these are the things we should be supporting yeah uh, Ukraine yes lots going on in the last month or so yeah to me it's like there there are some big points one Ukraine uh, taking big chunks of territory back. Yeah, and, like, if you follow how this is all kind of played out so far, it was, like, initially, like, Russia had, like, you know, took a lot of territory, and then there was a very big pushback by Ukraine, and then it's it's kind of gone back and forth, right? Because it depends on, like, what has NATO been, you know, helping Ukraine with, and, you know, as we brought in more artillery or long-range artillery that helped them further. And so a lot of this seems to come down to, like, you know, how enthusiastic are the people on the ground for the fight that's, that they're yeah. fighting? And, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I mean, obviously some of this comes down to just being like smart about their strategies and whatever. But like after so many Russian soldiers have died and been wounded in this fight that they didn't necessarily want to be in in the first place, you know, I feel like there's somewhat of an advantage to Ukraine at this point. Uh, well, I don't know. Advantage, disadvantage. Uh, it's it's. It is hard to it is hard to to handicap Ukraine against Russia, but you yeah. just you do see that you know the amount of territorial gains recently has been staggering. And yeah. then the Russian response was, "We're going to start recruiting. We're going to start the draft for their special military yeah. operation, which has included like eighty-year-old farmers and." Um, and there's been, you know, Russian grassroots pushback to that. And even Putin said, like, ah, oh, we screwed that up. We were trying to only get the brown skin people, which is kind of what he said. Yeah. He was like, well, we only meant to get, you know, people we don't care about in the draft, I, which, wow. And then like, at the same time. Like, t- I know you don't like this, but let me play on racism, which you're totally into. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting because, like, there's a sense that, like, Putin is, like, somehow beyond any sort of check on power and that he can do whatever the hell he wants. But obviously the fact that he didn't do a draft in the first place suggests there are limits on what he can do. Yeah. And now that he has started to do a draft, um, 
there has been there have been protests about that, and yeah. I was seeing something about and I and I couldn't I went to try to find this I could not find it but something about like the person in charge of one part of Russia like some territory or city yeah. or whatever was like like they were resisting the draft and then like the person in charge of the next one over they're like hey you need to go suppress them. But then that person died of a heart attack. Like I mean, like died like, of a heart attack. There was attack. all sorts of weird, you know, all sorts of weird stuff going on right now, and it's yeah. hard to know what to make of it. Well, and you know, at the the same time, they the Russians held elections in heavy air quotes. Yes. In like the Donbas and other controlled regions. You know, with the idea like, oh, look at the the Ukrainians want to join Russia, and they're videotaping their their. You can watch these videos of people counting ballots that are not marked, just empty blank pieces of paper. Yeah. Yes. 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 And I, I don't know. Ninety eight point six percent of people said yes, we want to join Russia, and so Putin's like, I shall. I, I shall honor the their wishes. Spoken. Yeah. What can I do? And yeah. It, I mean, it's that kind of post-truth shit that is terrifying, right? Yeah. And, and it's, I, I, I've said this on the podcast before, but it is a classic, you know, Soviet strategy of the as if, as if this were real, as if it were true. Yeah. You just pretend and go with it and whatever. And we see, like, some countries that were sort of vaguely pro-Russia before, even, like, Armenia and Uzbekistan, like, are pushing back against this. And yeah. India and China have kind of said, like, well, we're not sure. Yeah. Which is pretty strong for China. Right. Like, you're starting to make us a little nervous. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and where this seems to be heading is it, it, it increasingly seems like Russia is going to have a tough time making further progress into yeah. Ukraine. And so they're trying to just consolidate and establish some framework to say this is okay with the gains that they've made. And it, presumably a lot of what they're trying to do with the draft is basically bring people in to just sort of be the bodies who are going to hold that territory for them. But so, a lot of this comes down to, like, what I'm concerned about is, you know, Putin has made a very strong point about saying, like, if, you know, if there's an incursion into Russian territory, if, the, you know, if there's mm -hmm. if we're under attack, you know, we're going to, you know. And now oh, we're saying no all holds this barred, is Russian toy. You know, we can bring out the nukes and all that. Well, now what they're going to say is this is Russian territory. Right. But. At the same time, that situation has already occurred in Crimea. Yes. So, if I'm honest, I think where this ends is Ukraine gives up the Donbass and takes Crimea back. Okay. It's sunnier. Okay. Um, yeah, or one of them becomes a demilitarized zone in theory. Well, and, and ultimately, yeah, it's about, like, what is it that Ukraine is going to accept and what is Russia going to accept? And, you know, 
uh, Russia obviously wants to talk about nukes and all of that because, you know, if they can scare people into yeah. letting them get away with shit, then they're they're fine with that. But, you know, at some point, could they use them potentially? And there's and there's been communication around this from NATO, which has been very nonspecific to the yeah. public, but apparently has been very specific, specific to Putin to say, here's what's going to happen if that happens. I, I, and I don't want to say that I'm avoiding that thinking, but like at the same time, I'm like, I know that there's so much more back channel on that. Yeah. Then. I, so so my my take on everything is that nobody wants to tell Putin the truth right. about anything. And he's working off of terrible information. Yeah. There is no way that the those kinds of uh, clarifying statements about NATO response to certain actions are that filtered from Putin. Yeah. Um, that's my hope. Can we talk about something more fun? Like, <laughs> I was going to give my review of the day after, but, you know, go on. Whatever. No, no. <laughs> the Twinkies are still good. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I want to talk. We need to talk about Illinois. We need yes. to talk about Chicago. Yes. Um, this lovely Chicago that we're I mean, sitting in right now where the temperature is currently 65 degrees. Yeah. But it feels somehow nicer than that. So, uh, Illinois, Chicago, here's what's happening. We've got a bunch of elections in November that are aligned with the uh, federal elections. That's for governor, uh, state senate, state representative. Uh, not a lot of interestingness in the state. Uh, you know who's going to win senate. You know yeah, who's going to win your. You know who's going to win your your house race yeah, if yeah, you're in all Chicago. Of those, like it's not, there's not a lot of no, surprises. No, no, no surprises. No, as Radiohead said, no alarms and no surprises. Yes. Um, what is so then we have our municipal elections here in Chicago that occur in February of next yes. year so if you were in charge of politics in Chicago and you're like I want to set up elections such that I will never have any real competition against me I'm going to put it in February right and thus it was so and thus <laughs> it was so I'm going to I'm going to say a couple things about this one of them is you and I met on a gubernatorial campaign. That's right. In the last cycle. Yes. Yes, right? yes, So yes. the campaign for Amaya Pawar, who had been the 47th Ward Alderman uh, and was running You were driving the bus? I did drive. I literally drove a bus, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Um, and I hit some things with that bus. But they were mostly not human beings, so it was okay. It was a toll plaza. So... There were there were two official vehicles on that bus tour. Yeah, the bus and a big, you know, huge Tahoe. Yes, I was in the Tahoe. And who was driving the Tahoe? Was it Katie? It was my wife. I'm like I'm trying to remember who was actually driving yeah, so it. Like, Katie, like I remember her I being in the vehicle, the but I couldn't remember if she was driving. But yes, we literally drove that. That campaign would have gone tour. literally physically nowhere if it weren't for you guys. Um, so I shout I out think to the very drivers. Fondly about that because of it. <laughs> So here we are. We've got a governor's race. And this goes back to what I said before about kind of crazy uh, Republican candidates. The Republican candidate for governor is Darren Bailey, who is nominally a farmer and 
the owner of a religious school, which is like, like, it's a compound. Right? Yeah. Like they have, a, they have a barricade at the entrance, and you can't get in. Yeah. Um, uh, Darren Bailey has been saying things like, "Well, you know, Chicago is a shithole and." It's terrible, and you should never go there. Though he recently decided to, and I'm not joking, rent an apartment in the Hancock building. Yeah. Which is the heart of Touristville. Yeah. It is essentially the loft above a cheesecake factory. Right. And he did this, and I quote, to immerse himself in the culture of Chicago. Right. Now, I'm here to tell you. He was not at District Brewery Yards, which yeah. I believe is a far better immersion in the culture of Chicago. Well, it's still a brewery. It's still a brewery. Wow. Which is a pretty small su- subset. Yeah. I am not going to the Hancock Building in the, and I quote, magnificent mile yes. for a cross-section of culture. Correct. Here in Chicago. Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there was like, there was a photo that was circulating from a rally or something he was at at a church, <laughs> and it was That's where they are. There's the graphic had the text "The Lord is a Man of War," and had a Punisher logo naturally on it, Probably which actually supported is interesting. By is a like thin blue line logo, and I, I, I was just curious, like "The Lord is a Man of War." I'm like, let me Google that and figure out like what what this is all about it's actually from exodus in the bible and it's about it's basically thanking Old the Testament. lord it is thanking the lord for smashing their enemies you know basically you know smashing the the pharaoh and you know and the, yeah. the and red you, sea and you know basic bible stuff people look it up but anyhow you, haven't you know read the old testament it's it's, good it's shit. not the new testament it's not the new testament. new testament is like jesus is good we love everybody old testament yeah. is Everybody hates the Jews, <laughs> Go and for, we kill some yes, people. Yes, pretty much. I, I, and I love the Old Testament. I've read it, Exodus, one of the great Old Testament books. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, also one of my favorites. But when you think about Exodus, Exodus is, it, it establishes the basis for a traveling God, which is something that was new and novel in that time. Yes. So tune in our new podcast, I'm, Bible I'm gonna Talk go, with EJ. I'm going to go ahead and... I'm going to go ahead and mark that for maybe removal from the post. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Are we offending anybody? I don't I don't even know anymore. Uh, but Darren Bailey is yes. a terrible candidate. He's a terrible they candidate. had a debate and his he was like, "Let me tell you, but women's rights, don't worry about women's rights because JD Pritzker wakes up in the middle of the night. He dreams about coming up with new rights for people." How dare he? I, <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> I would absolutely vote for a candidate unapologetically if their whole campaign was, I'm going to find new rights to give to you. Right? I, no now, pun intended. And, and this was a person, well, and, I, and, and in full circle, we did not support him at the beginning, right? Yes. So, so there were yes. a number of cam- we were not candidates for, for governor. It was not Pritzker's bus. Though I will say, Pritzker saw the bus and was like, that's cool. We should get one of those. I Well, so this is my story about yes. meeting uh, J.D. Pritzker. 
at the beginning of that bus tour, I drove the bus down to Matteson, Illinois. Yes. And I parked the bus, and J.D. Pritzker showed up in a Tahoe or some SUV. Um, he was in the front seat. There was one other person with him and came over and introduced himself to me. I was just standing by the bus because I thought I should guard the bus. I don't know. And was like, hi, I'm J.D. Pritzker. I'm running for governor. He's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. I drove Amea's bus here. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's great. Thanks for volunteering. Thanks for being involved. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And, and like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to lie. Of all of the people that I voted for, that I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by, J.D. Pritzker is the one. Oh, extremely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's gonna like, oh, another billionaire, da da da. Yeah. Like, this is his hobby or whatever. Like, no, no, no. He's been quite Super good. Super progressive. He's like, up by 15 points. Like, he's going to run, run for president, president like, in 2024. I'm in on that. Like, let me help you do that. Yeah. He and he and it's going to be a <laughs> Pritzker and Gavin Newsom are both going to argue about who's going to supposed to run. Right. Um. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Correct answer is not Newsom. The other interesting French thing laundry, is, look it up. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of uh, activity, I'm going to say, okay. recently in Illinois around the Safety Act. Yes. Um, which eliminates cash bail. Yeah. What's cash bail? Cash bail is when you are arrested by the police. They have an arraignment hearing yeah. to figure out what is going to happen to you. And the judge says, hey... I'm going to have you pay X amount of bail to ensure that you're going to come back and appear at your hearing. Right. And theoretically, that sounds reasonable, except that if you do not have the money to pay for that bail, you now sit in jail until you're hearing. Right. And keeping in mind, in our innocent until proven guilty system, you haven't been convicted of a crime yet. You may not have done anything wrong, but you're now in jail. And so your job, your family, any of those other things have now been harmed by the fact that you were arrested, whether you had done anything or not. Right. And it leads to a situation where a lot of times you'll have people pleading to things that they didn't do necessarily um, because they just want to get back to their lives. Like, I I can't afford to be in prison for the next However, especially, you know, in the time of COVID, like, how long are you going to be in, in, in prison before you actually get a hearing? Yeah. So so the Safety Act essentially eliminates cash bail, um, which, which has not really been tried. Yes. It, it makes it a lot a of sense. new experiment, uh, for, yes. I, for people like us, like, we're progressive. We feel like ah, this feels like a better situation than, you know— Somebody could say, and and it's important to note that like, when somebody is, when somebody says you have to, uh, your bail is a million dollars. Typically, your bond is ten percent of that. Yes, that's why bail bondsmen are a. Yes, thing. basically they effectively loan the money to you. Right, and you pay off that that money. Right. But basically, they're sort of guaranteed against right. the you show up, and if you don't show up, then the bond is forfeit, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so in theory, the, the 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 idea here is that 
it gives judges the ability to say this person is a risk to society or not. And that is, and I, I think that that is. Well, and this is the thing, the right? Because right because what would happen, like what we will have, what we have, is it is it in effect at this point now? This is what it was not clear about, or is it coming into effect? The Safety Act. Um, it is partially in effect now. It will be fully in effect in January first. Okay. So basically, what it's what it does though is it says like a, a judge can still say you're a danger to society, you are yeah. a flight risk. And hold you in jail until your trial. There's nothing right. preventing them from doing Absolutely that. Absolutely not. But what has happened his, until now is that there's this gray area between you are definitely a danger, we're holding you in jail, or you're definitely not a danger, we're letting you out. And then there's this middle ground of, well, we're going to fine you a specific amount of money that you you have to put aside until we prove in one way or the other whether yeah. you're guilty or innocent. Yeah. And so we're basically taking out that middle ground. Like if somebody's still actively dangerous, you can put them in jail. It's not, and that's okay. Yeah. As opposed to putting them in prison, and, which is what and happens right when now. You're, yeah. There's a period where people can say they can kind of appeal their bail and say, "Look, I, I'm not a threat. Can you reconsider this?" Yeah. So will there be people that get out? Right now, yes. Yeah. But that is because a judge has made an affirmative decision to let them yes. out. Um, and, and, and let's be realistic about what this means. It does mean that in some cases, some people who would have got, who legitimately committed a crime, who would have been held because they didn't have enough money for bail, will be out. Will be out. And that is going to happen. But at the same time, if they then go out and commit another crime, they can... Then the judge can then put them in jail them, yeah. and and keep them there. Yeah, and so we are erring on the side of as our system is normally supposed to operate on the side of assuming you're innocent until proven you're guilty. Right, and uh, yes. So and it's sound and it's easy to demonize it though because yeah. you can be like, oh well, this guy went in, you know, this guy, you know, was arrested and then he was let out and then he murdered a person like that. That is going to happen. But at the same time, that guy could have not been arrested and murdered somebody. And we aren't going to talk about that because then that person is, you know, they're going to actually go to jail at that point. And so the other interesting thing that's happened around this is that there is a in a a sort of pack that's been producing things that look like newspapers and sending them out to people. Yes. Connected to the Daily Herald, as I recall. Well, the Daily Herald, which is a news organization in the suburbs, they have a separate company that's a publishing organization that's actually publishing and shipping these things. Um, But they are. Yes, and so recently there was a racist. Yes, and there was a debate that was supposed to happen between Bailey and Pritzker, and Pritzker pulled out of that debate. And the le- basically the letter explaining why he pulled out of the debate was basically that the the the, the basically the Daily Herald has a like a postal discount, yeah, or that company yeah. that owns them has a postal discount for what they send out, and that was used to send out those flyers. And it's like this is not an unbiased thing, and it very very clearly was saying like, you know, we respect the journalism of the people who are actually doing journalism at the Daily Herald, but we can't be party to this, right? And I'm up by 15 points. And I'm up by 15 points, so f*** you. <laughs> so uh, the other thing we should talk about a little bit is the city. So right now we're in signature time in the city. 
which is, as a notary, my favorite time. Stamp action. Um, we're getting signatures for people to be on the ballot for city council, mayor, some other citywide yes. And things. so you have to get a certain amount of signatures depending on what right. you're running for. You have to get a right. different amount of signatures from different people. If you're an alderman, it has to be people in your ward. If you're mayor, right. it's anybody in the city. It's, and it's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So right now we're in signature time. It goes from the end of September until November. Yep. Um, and then the elections are February with runoffs in April. Um, here are the things that are important here. One is that 30% of the city council is not running of the city council that was elected in the last election is not running again. Yeah. Some people have already resigned or retired. They've been appointed now by the, the mayor. It's a whole other question. Yeah. Other people just not running for re-election. Chicago city council is 50 people, which is obscenely. It's a lot. Mo How many people on the city council in New York? It's like 20-something, right? Eight. Eight. Okay. I mean, LA is like 20. Like, I feel like there's yeah. like, L yeah. Yeah, so, it, you know, we've got a big city council. 30% are going to leave um, or are going to be different from the last election. Yes. Um, and you mentioned before the power of incumbency. You know, you've got a bunch of people who were appointed by the mayor, right? right. So, um it is it is really interesting. Not all the people who have left are Lori Lightfoot allies, but it's significant. Um, some people are going to jobs in other industries, but some people are kind of moving towards that, I'm going to run for mayor, because you cannot run for mayor and be an alderman at the same time. That feels like something that Daly wrote. <laughs> um, but like Tom Tunney. Yeah. Who was the mayor, or no, I'm sorry, the the alderman for the ward that has Wrigley Field. He also is an owner of a restaurant that serves I cinnamon rolls. I want to say 42nd Ward, but I'm probably wrong. I don't remember. Um, he said he wasn't going to run for alderman. And, of course, you know, said here's the person I think should su succeed me. Um, 44th. 44th. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, alliterative like Tom Tunney. Right. Tom Tunney, 44. There you go. Yeah. Um, he may be running. There are a lot more people we think might be running than we know are running. Yeah. So people are running for mayor. Um, Lori is going to run, obviously. Paul Vallis, who ran in 2019, he used to be, yep. he, he was in the daily administration, budget director, and then head of schools. Uh, Jamal Green, who's a, a, he's an entrepreneur, he ran in 2019. Actually wrote a really cool program for the validation of signatures. He's running again, but nobody thinks he's going to win. Um, Willie Freegas Wilson. Uh, he's <laughs> definitely running, running. This because he, he hasn't had an opportunity to run for president. He's got nothing until, else to do. For another yeah. couple years. <laughs> uh, and then Chewy Garcia. This is the interesting one to me. Yes, I uh, agree. Uh, Chewy Garcia used to be a state rep. Um, is Now in Congress. Yeah, now in Congress. In a sort of appointment, special election kind of way, um, he is. I thought he was going to run, right? So, if we look across the landscape, who could beat Lori right now? I think a uh, another. I think a, a, a Latino candidate could beat Lori. Um, yeah, I think a Latino candidate could beat Lori. Yeah, I, 
the thing of it is, is I feel like she's a weak candidate, but it just depends on who actually steps up to run. Yes, I think so. Uh, 100%. Um, like I, I don't want to vote for her. But, but if it's her, Paul Vallis. But right, but like, do I really want to vote for Paul Vallis? Right, because no. it's going to go to a runoff, right? So the way right. you know you have to get a majority, it's going to go to a runoff. Yeah. Um, almost certainly. So who's in the and he, and he says it with the who's the CTU backing at this point? So the CTU is backed somebody who has not announced his run. Interesting. Somebody All who right. is a Cook County commissioner. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Johnson is his last name. Used to be a teacher at a, a specialty school in Chicago. Okay. They've backed him. They've endorsed him. He has not announced his run. So which is very strange. And they've already given yeah. his campaign like twenty thousand dollars. Huh. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, the CDU has a lot of power running, in right? Chicago so, politics, yeah. so it's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. And there are some other people who have announced they're running who are like yeah. uh, people who are in the uh, police union. and. I mean, you got to imagine like somebody, somebody who's like, quote, unquote, tough on crime will clearly be running, you know, because lose. hopefully. Yeah, they will. Um, the, <laughs> the question is who gets into the runoff. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. this is all the news that's fit to print. And we'd print it, except we're actually just podcasting it because yeah, we don't feel like doing that much typing. I can't type. Yeah, no. All right. So anyhow, thank you for tuning in. I know it's been a while, but thank you for sticking around if you are listening to this. Yeah. If nobody's listening to this, well, that's okay. We've enjoyed ourselves yeah. and had a couple beers. We have. It's all good. Get out there. Work for candidates that you believe in. Vote. It's time to make change. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.